certainly in my own life that I think um, I can get, I can do the downward spiral pretty quickly and just focus completely on myself. And it's uh, when I look beyond my own circumstances and catch these other glimmers of how God is moving and acting in the world and in other people's lives, then I realize, oh, Nate, you know, he is here with me. Um, and and I'm still waiting for someday for him just to write very clearly on the wall, you know, Alicia, this is what you are supposed to do, or here I am, but <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Hi there, friends, and welcome to episode 56 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff, and I'm an author and a pastor and your host. And today we have a great interview with Alicia Brummeler, and uh, she's just such a pleasure to talk to and really enjoyed this conversation that I had with her a few weeks back. Um, So I'm glad that you get to listen in on this conversation Uh, primarily about her book, uh, which is called Everywhere God. Uh, So yeah, um, you can look forward to that. I also, I was looking today at uh, who is listening to this podcast. I can't actually see who is listening, but I can see what countries and what regions they are from. And I'm just blown away, people. That's so uh, amazing. Um, Lots of people in the U.S. and in Canada Um, but also uh, listeners in the United Kingdom and Australia and Indonesia and China, Italy, New Zealand, uh, Sweden, Hungary, and the list goes on and on. Um, Yeah, it's just just so neat. Um, Latvia is on the list and St. Kitts and Nevis, a lovely part of the world, uh, and other places as well. So all over the place, people are listening and, um, and I'm just blown away. I can't believe this. Like I didn't expect when I started this podcast, uh, 14, 15 months ago that there'd be people listening on the other side of the world. Um, I am in Winnipeg in the middle of Canada and it's also a wonderful place, a lovely place in the world. Um, And yeah, if you're on the other side of the world and you're listening to this, I would love to hear from you. And even if you are, you know, right next door, I'd love to hear from you as well. Um, One of the places where I am more active these days is on Instagram. So if you want to find me there, uh, you can do that. And I actually put things on Instagram under two different accounts. So one is just an account for the podcast. So if you're looking for that one, I don't put as much on that one, but it kind of has little notifications when there's a new episode out and I will put things on there from time to time. So that one's really easy to find. It's just at spirituality for ordinary people. So that makes a lot of sense. And the other one is fairly easy to find as well. It's at Matthew D. Bruff. So it has my middle initial in there, Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-D, Bruff, B-R-O-U-G-H. So if you want to find me on there uh, and follow along, um, that's a great way to connect. Uh, Also, just by email or just by visiting the spiritualityfororordinarypeople.com website. And uh, you can sign up for things there like a free book and a free guide uh, for staying connected with God. Um, There are things you can sign up for. And uh, then I periodically will send out emails to, to people who've signed up for those free things. Um, and just keeping them up to date on some of the things that I'm working on. Also, I did want to just share with you today, really briefly, before we get to the interview, 
that uh, many of you might know if you're regular listeners, you'll know that I also write fiction. I write nonfiction, but I also write fiction and uh, I write books for young readers, but I know lots of adults who have enjoyed these books as well. Um, they're really for uh, kind of aimed at a grade four, five, six grade level, and they are fantasy books, fantasy adventure books. Uh, and just yesterday, I uh, finished up my drafts, my revised drafts for uh, my third novel uh, in a series. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. It's not done by any means, but it is going to be going off to the editors really soon. Uh, my wife is my first editor, so she's already working through the book, um, but then it'll go to uh, another editor and then some other early readers. And I'm so I'm really excited about that uh, because once my the bulk of my revisions are done, it's getting close to the time for that book to come out. So um, I've heard from some listeners that they actually like these more personal updates every now and again. I've heard from other listeners saying, just get to the interviews, Matt. Um, I know this stuff or I, you know, I'm really listening for the interviews and, and, and want to get to that. So I encourage you, um, you know, if I seem to be rambling on sometimes as I am want to do, my congregation members will tell you that about some of my sermons. Uh, there's a skip button. Uh, I know that isn't always helpful when you're listening, say, in the car or driving or something like that or biking. Um but uh, but yeah, there's a skip button. You can skip ahead and get off to the interview. But we're almost at the end of this long, rambly intro. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I'll just sign off now and quit while I'm somewhat ahead. And you can now enjoy uh, this fun and insightful and interesting interview with Alicia Brummeler. Yeah, Alicia and I, uh, we met at uh, the Festival of Faith and Writing this past year and uh, ended up sitting next to one another for dinner, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, just had, had a great time chatting and just thought Alicia would be a great guest to have on the podcast. Um, she's a writer, uh, a teacher as her kind of primary vocation, a mm-hmm. wife, a mom of two young adults, and the author of a book called Everywhere God Exploring the Ordinary Places. Uh, and so we're going to spend most of our time, I think, talking about her book, which is just great. Uh, I've been able to read parts of it, um, not mm-hmm. all yet, um, but, I, but I did really enjoy the sections that I've been able to read. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, me too. Yeah, so um, one of the things we were just commenting uh, before I hit record about uh, your table of contents is laid out really well, which is kind of a funny thing. Like some people don't always look for that. The writing is also beautiful and wonderful, but the table of contents stood out to me. Um, (laughs) And I liked that I could just look up kind of almost like looking up a topic. So you have each uh, chapter starts with encountering God in something or in a particular circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so people can go and get the book or go and look it up. Mm-hmm. and uh, and see all of those but there was a couple that kind of jumped out at me mm-hmm. um and one where we'll maybe start is uh, encountering god when spiritually adrift mm-hmm. and i think this one jumped out at me because the nature of this podcast is spirituality for ordinary people which kind of matches very much with mm-hmm. your book as a whole yes um but particularly this idea of being spiritually adrift, I've encountered a lot of people as a pastor who have felt in sort of dry spells or not sure, like, how do I refine my faith if my faith mm-hmm. is 
seemed alive when I was younger and now maybe is not there as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think your chapter kind of deals with that in, in a nice, in a nice way. Um, so how do you understand, first of all, how do you understand what it means to be spiritually adrift? And then, and then what can people do about it? How do you encounter God even in those times? Good question. I think, um, you know, when I think about, as I was trying to frame that chapter, um, I too have met many friends and had conversations with people who just said, you know, I've been a Christian all my life, but it just feels dry or stale or God feels distant, or I feel like I go through the motions and I have spiritual practices, but I don't necessarily feel anything um, in response to those, that it, it just feels like I'm doing something and not seeing fruit from that. And so I, spiritually adrift i living close to the water and i reference this in the book and being close to the sound um i as i watch the tide come in and out and i just see you know this constant process that happens every day um i think we have seasons in our lives where at perhaps at times we feel closer to god and feel a connection and then other times where it feels like it can just go on for a really long time and not have any sense of groundedness or connection and so um I used uh, the image of, you know, something kind of floating in the water and not feeling moored to um, an anchor as an image or a metaphor for spiritually adrift. So that's kind of how I would uh, describe it of just this aimlessness, this sense of I'm not sure um, if these things that I'm doing are helping me become more like Jesus or grow closer to him. And so, um, from there then, you know, when I think about things in my own life, practices that have been helpful and things that I've had to do, I, I'm a plugger. Um, we joke in our family that I just kind of plug away at things. And I will admit that um, I sometimes can plug away at things and then I'll step back and say, you know, do I feel any difference as a result of this? Um, and so for me, you know, the morning time um, is is when I try to connect with God most or feel that I have the space to do that. And so reading my Bible, um, reading some poetry or journaling, those are some of the things that I've done to help keep me grounded. But I'll admit there are some days where I feel like I just sit there and I show up, but I'm not sure anything uh, is happening internally, but it is just more this discipline of saying, I'm going to do this. I'll be faithful to this practice, even if I don't have a feeling or a response as a result of that. And, and the, and the belief too, that, okay, God is going to meet me there in that space. Even if, um, I don't necessarily sense his presence as closely, um, as I do at other times. And so, um, uh, I just feel that there's great value in, in, trusting that over time that perhaps there's this little nudge or this little aha moment or this little insight that all of a sudden I realize, okay, wait a second, you know, that's a God moment or that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And if I wasn't doing these practices, I would miss out um, on that moment. And so that's, um, I, to be honest, I always get nervous talking a little bit about this because I don't want to be like the, to be glib or to just kind of, uh, gloss over darkness, um, and pain that people feel when they are just feeling like, God, where are you? Why aren't you responding to me when I need you? And why can't I feel your presence? Um, cause I think I've heard the, the horrible things that have been said to people who are in that place that just seem to dismiss that. And so I always, um, 
yes, get a little reticent because I want to be sure that I'm not doing that for somebody else and saying, oh, you know, it's all going to be fine and, and, you know, go on your happy, merry way. But, um, you know, I, I do have friends that I do think part of their faith story is marked by just long periods of feeling that God is distant. And I don't know if that's temperament um, or if it's um, just part of their particular faith journey. And, um, and so I, I, you know, I feel for them in certain ways because I wish it could be different and I, I want to fix that. But I also think we can do um, th- that they have, they are finding practices that they can do to just help them in those moments. So that's a rather long answer to your two questions there. <laughs> I found that there was, uh, you did some interesting things in the book where one of them was talking about uh, having friends that come alongside and, yes. um, and you mentioned Job in that chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and something that I thought was helpful there is that Job's friends kind of start out in a good place, mm-hmm. but then they start to move to maybe uh, like they're, they're almost like an anti or a counter model for how we ought to be sure. when yes, someone is yes. going through suffering and that's deep, deep suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder if you want to comment a little bit on, on that image of, of Job and his friend. Yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, as I was writing that scene and going back and, and reading um, through the book of Job, when I was writing that chapter, um, I know for myself that if I'm in a situation and it feels awkward or difficult, I can tend to talk. And so as I was reading those scenes with Job's friends, I thought, hmm, they're doing a little bit what I might try to do where I want to explain or I want to help. And so I'll just start saying things and then realize that sometimes I think just sitting with a person and being silent and not having to try to provide solutions or answers, but just to say, I'm here, I'm going to be with you. And if, if I can't even be with you physically, then I'm going to be with you in prayer. I think I referenced um, Preston Yancey had a friend, it talks mm-hmm. about, wrote a whole book about um, tables in the wilderness and a friend that was praying for him, you know, hundreds of thousands or, you know, thousands of miles away. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about you because I know you're in this difficult season. So whether we can be physically present or just even, you know, praying for that person, I just, um, that that struck me when I read Job again through a new thinking about that chapter in particular saying how can we um, come alongside people and not always feel like we have to give answers but we're just we're there and I think that's that's huge yeah it's almost like being present for someone else to tell their story of where God is showing up or where maybe they're not sensing Mm -hmm. God showing up Um, and so I think when like I, I love how you talk about um, the danger of giving sort of uh, unhelpful cliches or mm-hmm. trite answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The hard thing is sometimes when we tell our own story, mm-hmm. it comes, it sounds yes. too simple. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but so I think we just have to be careful about telling this as our story rather than universalizing it and saying, oh, well, sure. when I prayed like this and then God right. suddenly showed up and it, right. it kind of, right. you know, gave me a lot of peace. So mm-hmm. you're going to pray like that and, and mm-hmm. you will have peace because if right. you pray the way I did, then you'll do it. Then mm-hmm. it'll be fine for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we make that second step, we're, we're, we're in dangerous territory. And I think you rightly point that out in the book is that when you're walking alongside someone and suffering, probably the most appropriate way to do that is silently mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, allowing them to mm-hmm. 
to vocalize where they're at and, and how God may or may not be moving. Right. Um, but then also let's create space for us to be able to tell our own stories. Sure. So, so you have a combination of that in that chapter. And I think that is so good. Um, I wanted to read, I'm going to read a little bit of it because I really loved it. Um, and <laughs> uh, so this is actually just after you mentioned the, the Preston Yancey okay. in, in the book and, and talking about drawing closer to God. Um, uh, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but times of spiritual dryness can also be times of deep growth and insight. At different points in my life, and especially when God has felt distant, I have prayed, God, I need you to show up. I need you to make yourself known to me. In those instances, I hoped for a big reveal. I wanted to be wowed by God's awesomeness and splendor. The reality is I have never had this particular prayer answered by a big reveal. Instead, my prayer has been answered in small, nondescript acts, such as watching my children play or notices, noticing a vivid sunset or eating a peach so sweet and juicy I smiled with delight. Almost unconsciously, I found myself thanking God for his goodness, and I re- realized his presence was there with me that moment as it had been all along. Uh, I love that. Uh, that's I think that's really great and and great writing Um, (laughs) so uh, but I think there's a good example of I I, nowhere are you intending to universalize that experience for the reader right right you're this comes after a section talking about Job and his friends and the silence that is needed in in, in witnessing the suffering Um, but then you are able to kind of draw us into into your story and how um you were seeking God, but you might have also been potentially seeking something that God wasn't going to give. Mm-hmm, does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yes, mm-hmm. it does. It does. Okay. Yes. Do you want to? Can you say more about that? About that experience of seeking, you know, wanting God, mm-hmm. um, and or needing God to show up just because mm-hmm. things have not gone well, or it's a dry mm-hmm. spell, or something like that. Really wanting God, but also wanting like a big moment of revelation. Um, So my faith journey, I have never gotten the big, you know, here I am moment with God. (laughs) Um, And so when I hear other people say, you know, share that in their experience and their stories, I'm always a little like, wow, lucky you. (laughs) How wonderful (laughs) that um, I just feel, yeah, at different moments in my life when I've really asked for that, that is not how God has chosen to reveal himself to me. Um, And so I don't want to say that God won't do that for people because, I mean, um, one of my favorite writers, Anne Lamont, I mean, when she wrote Traveling Mercies and she talks about meeting Jesus for the first time, like she felt a physical presence in her room and, um, and that was part of her conversion story. And so I think God does that. And, um, and we'll do that for people. But for me, um, and I think, I don't know, I want to say for many others that it just, sometimes it's, um, I wonder if I'm thinking out loud as I'm saying this, that if, you know, we get so focused um, on wanting to have this moment or feel God's presence. And um, I call it navel gazing, or I just get so almost too introspective and just so focused on myself. And so, you know, part of what, when I shared that example in the book was this suddenly um, my eyes were drawn away from me and wanting to see, you know, and feel God's presence at that moment. And I'm looking at my children playing, or I'm um, looking at a beautiful flower or enjoying a delicious meal. And suddenly I see, 
goodness and blessing. And it's kind of when my eyes get off myself and look beyond that all of a sudden, then I see, oh, wait, there's God and there's God. And, oh, he's, you know, his presence is there. And so um, I, I don't know if those two things are always linked like that, but um certainly in my own life that I think, um, I can get, I can do the downward spiral pretty quickly and just focus completely on myself. And it's, uh, when I look beyond my own circumstances and catch these other glimmers of how God is moving and acting in the world and in other people's lives, that then I realize, oh, wait, you know, he is here with me. Um, and, and I'm still waiting for someday for him just to write very clearly on the wall, you know, Alicia, this is what you are supposed to do, or here I am, but <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> no. No. And I think for those of us who've had kind of big um, moments where we've had kind of a, a real tangible experience mm-hmm. of God's presence, we either like, I, and I'm putting myself in that category that's happened a few times for me, um, but sometimes we can uh, either forget uh, mm-hmm. Like those don't necessarily sustain, right? Yes, yes. So, um, or we remember mm-hmm. and and hold on to those experiences too firmly, as though those are the only hallmarks and benchmarks of the faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, when we do go through a dry spell, it's almost more catastrophic because right. well, this shouldn't happen because. Right. 10 years ago, I had this experience of Jesus. Right. And then you start to doubt, well, Maybe. was that, was that real? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I mean, both of those experiences have sort of their different challenges. Sure. Um, sure. And, uh, and then in some ways for me, it all, it kind of does come back to trusting. Like if we really trust, do we, do we trust God that, that God is really, is really yes. working and okay. at work? Yeah. Um, you know, if I was just always having some kind of experience of God, mm-hmm. and it was just clear to me that, well, the, that actually doesn't require a ton of trust right. to, <laughs> to believe in. Believe you in know, I'll, if I can jump in, I'll say one thing that I have found that is helpful to me on these moments that um, I'm a big journaler. And mm-hmm. so I have now probably, you know, 25 years worth of journals. And there have been moments where um, I, that is a grounding point for me than to go back and reread and say, okay, now let's, here we go. Look back 10 years ago and you saw how, you know, this situation was working itself out and you saw God's hand. And that's not a practice, you know, for everyone, but I have found you, when you start to get muddled on what is reality or when, you know, have I felt God's presence that those journals and what I've written in them really help anchor me and ground me and say, oh yes, you don't forget about this instance and don't forget about that. So that may be helpful also. Yeah, I mean, even even if people aren't necessarily writers, but do that at the end of their day sure. as um, as prayer or yes, um, yes. like a gratitude exercise or yes, the examine, yes. which is essentially a gratitude exercise. Right, right. Um, just looking back on your day, mm-hmm. on what am I thankful mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and even that often then leads to, oh, well, maybe God is present in that. Yes. Um, now, again, it, we're saying these things and we just have to return to where we started in this conversation because some of these things when you're in the midst of the deepest mm-hmm. of pain and suffering mm-hmm. sound pretty, can sound pretty trite. Right. And so again, these are things that maybe have worked for us in certain right. times and people need right. to hopefully discover their own way. Um, right. Which is why I wanted to start with this idea of walking alongside friendship mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. friendship, because I think that's such an important thing, just having the presence of another person. Yes. Um, 
and then looking for those people in your life, like right. who are struggling and suffering, not to right. go and give them the answers, but to go and just simply be with them. Right, um, right. Whether that's across a distance or mm-hmm. right there in the mm-hmm. same room. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll switch because we've kind of been skirting this one a little bit. The chapter before uh, is when spiritually adrift is encountering God in rituals. <laughs> and um, so I want to ask you about that. What do you mean by encountering God in rituals? Yes. So I think of rituals as practices or rhythms or routines. And uh, I am by nature a routine person, but um, uh, in my own church experience, I probably um, have come out of a a more um, low church um, background. And now I'm in more of a high church um, setting in the Anglican church. And I find the liturgy and some of those, when I think of, I love the word ritual because it feels to encapsulate more than just a routine that they're, I don't know, maybe it makes it, (laughs) I'm laughing, like more holy. I don't, (laughs) but I don't know. It just feels more, I should say more um, loaded with meaning and significance that that word feels more weighted for me, I guess. Um, So that's, that's what I mean. And, and I think um, a ritual, I, I mean, drinking your coffee out of your favorite mug can be a ritual for you and be a moment that, um, is special. So it doesn't have to be doing something quote unquote spiritual. Yes. Yes. I, when people respond, respond negatively to the word ritual, um, you know, it's, it's tempting to say, well, like, do you not brush your teeth every day? <laughs> <laughs> so, That's right. You do. Yes. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, can you say a little more about kind of um, uh, like what rituals do you engage in? Like, what do you find? Okay. Life giving. You've already mentioned journaling as kind of a big right, thing. right, Are there right. Other things. Um, so I have been reading through the Psalms now for a number of years. Um, it is uh, just a practice that um, I hope will take me to uh, you know my my end days, where as soon as I finish um, getting through the last Psalm, I start all over and um, just kind of use that as a grounding point, as a prayer point. Um, so uh, and I've done different things with that. I have um, a colleague and a friend that wrote a book of poems based off of the Psalms, and so. So I would read a psalm and then uh, read his poem that he wrote in reference to that and and really enjoyed that ritual. Right now, um, as I'm reading through the psalms, I have Eugene Peterson's praying the psalms. So he makes a little, some comments. Um, then, you know, sometimes I'll follow the, the lectionary for my other Bible reading, or sometimes I'll just feel like, huh, I haven't read that book in a while. I'm going to go back through that. So I, I try to do a little bit of Bible reading. I do my journaling, you know, prayer is hard for me. Um, I don't, um, so I'm trusting that I'm praying when I'm reading the Psalms and when I'm journaling, but to just sit and pray with my eyes closed, that's almost disastrous for me because I might immediately start thinking of my to-do list. And so I'm still struggling to figure that one out. Um, that I, I almost think I do better when I pray with another person than praying by myself. Um, sometimes when I'm just silent, I'm just trusting that, okay, the Lord knows my spirit and, and, you know, the things that are coming in and out of that. But, um, so those are some of the spiritual practices that I do rituals, but, um, 
you know, I don't, I have a whole host of other things, you know, that I love to get outside. Um, I try to most days of the year, I just feel like there's something about being out in creation that um, connects me to God in a certain way. I have certain rituals with, you know, um, I love to eat together with my family um, as much as that's possible now that I have two college age children and I live at a, and work at a boarding school. And so I often eat dinner with students and not just my immediate family. So that's changes, but uh, yeah. So I have a whole host of other rituals that I could talk about too. Can we go back to, let's go back to reading the Psalms and yes. how do you, like, I know you, you've done it different ways, but mm-hmm. do you basically, is it essentially kind of reading one Psalm a day or do you have like a, a certain mm-hmm. time frame that you take? Yeah, one Psalm a day. I mean, sometimes today um, I was looking at Psalm uh, 78, which is rather long. So I thought, man, that might be a two-day Psalm, just if oh. I'm going to really try to come back to it and, and think and reflect on it. Um, but yes, a Psalm a day. And I think I'm trying to remember who taught this practice to me. Um, something else I'll do is when a word or a phrase jumps out as I'm reading a Psalm, I'll often put the date by it and I might write a word or a phrase. Um, and that's been fun for me because now as I go back through, I'll see something that I wrote maybe four or five years ago. And sometimes I'll know where I was at if I wasn't at home that, um, I don't know, you, you know, I was on uh, the water or something on vacation and just it's one of the images in the Psalm just jumped out. And so I'll make a note about that. Um, but I find that to be really rich practice to come back so to and add- see it. Do you add like your own personal note? Like, do you write something about what, I, why it's jumping out at you or something like that? Yes. Yes. I'll either okay. say um, a word or a phrase, an image, or just something to kind of note to enough to jog my memory or hopefully jog my memory um, and say, oh yeah, that was going on at that particular time. Um, and so then I found, you know, as I come back to it, it's, it's just another reminder of, um, hopefully, you know, growth and seeing change, but then just, okay. Remembering a season or a moment in life. Yeah. That's kind of, that's a really interesting thing. And I think it would might be helpful for people who are not, uh, interested in kind of fully journaling, Sure, sure yes. <laughs> but, but just taking a moment to Mm-hmm. mark that or remember that yes mm-hmm. like I've even noticed that I not necessarily with notes but even if I just underline something yes and then yes I think, but then it's like it'll be 10 years later and I'll look at it and I think well why did I what <laughs> so it'd be nice if I'd written a little note so, right 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 that's a, yes. that's a really yeah. that's a really great tip actually that's a Whoa, good practice <laughs> tip for the uh for the audience here uh that's really good and like you said there's probably tons of other things that we could talk about here but I really like this I mean I'm grip I'm grabbing on to the the Psalms thing because that's okay. my that's my go-to practice like when I when I find that I'm in a spiritually dry mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. um I usually will go back to the Psalms mm-hmm. and just yes. start reading through them and often nothing really happens yes yes <laughs> um, but it just gives me something that I know I can go back to and is and is solid and secure, and I don't have to worry about well, what am I going to go and do? How am I going to get? How, right. how am I going to reconnect with God? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do. I mean, I kind of bounce between two things now. I go for a walk and and pray while I'm walking. Ooh, love that side thing, and then and then praying the Psalms. Yes. Um, some of that maybe may depend on weather. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I, I do, I do really appreciate that. I also wanted to ask you about the uh, chapter that you have about encountering God in literature. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And just just so that listeners know, like you've got other, your other chapters are encountering God in creation, in hospitality, as a caregiver, in the workplace, in community. And uh, there, I had a couple of reasons I wanted to focus in on literature rather than the other ones. Part of it is because lots of the time on this podcast, we will talk about those other things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But some of it as well is because we met at the Festival of Faith and Writing, right. and there was a lot about literature going on yes. there and people talking about yes. books and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought I would ask you about that. Can how did first of all, how did that idea even come to you to include in a book like this? Because not everybody would necessarily go there. They would maybe yes. go to the other ones that that you have, but they wouldn't necessarily go to yes. literature as a place to encounter God. Um, I good question. I think um, I mean I've been an avid reader since I was a young girl. And, um, these, you know, the characters, particularly in fiction, some of them, I feel like they are my friends because I've read them over the years or I've thought about them. And so I don't know if it's just because I'm such a book lover, but it just feels to me like, well, of course I would encounter God in literature. Um, and, um, these characters that I either fall in love with, or I hate because of, you know, their choices or their actions or the way they're treating other characters. Um, but I think I just do, I've learned so much about myself through reading. Um, At times, you know, when I've been wondering or struggling with things in my own life or just, you know, an insight into my character or personality or how I relate to others, I see that in literature. And then when I think about it in the context of, you know, scripture, so often, you know, Jesus uses story, right, to communicate truth. And there are things that we can see about ourselves that, you know, somebody could straight up tell you, Matt, you need to deal with this. And you'd be like, eh. but then, you know, you see it in a character or you see it in a story and somehow it carries more weight and it can um, speak to our souls in ways that it wouldn't otherwise. And so I think um, that love of, of story has just, you know, been a very strong connecting point for me um, with God over the years. And not that, um, you know, that I feel like he's speaking to me, but just things that truths that are revealed about God, about human nature, about his world. That's what I mean. Right. Um, now what, uh, what kind of books are we talking about? So like for you, where, what, where have you encountered God in literature? Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, wow. That's it. Um, you don't give us the entire list. Yes. Um, so let me, um, one of my favorite novels, I can never say a favorite novel, um, or my, like the favorite novel, I have to say a favorite novel. Sorry, I said that backwards. Um, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Um, So when I see, you know, Atticus Finch um, handling, you know, teaching, trying to teach his children um, what uh, empathy or recognize walking in another person's shoes and and instilling in them characters like that's, I think, well, I want to be that kind of a parent. And, and yes, while that's not a direct, like, okay, you know, this is God on high speaking. There's just, like I said, I think there's truth. If, If we believe that all truth is God's truth, then these things that I see in these characters that I want to emulate, I'm, you know, absorbing that into my own life. So um, when I read, so in To Kill a Mockingbird too, when I just see family love and love for others, and that's a way that then I am connected to, you know, God who is love and um, beautiful writing, um, rich vocabulary, that just kind of just the story that sweeps me away. Um, 
you know, I love nonfiction. I love reading memoir. And so I feel like so many um, books that I've read, other um, memoirs by writers are another way that I encounter God in literature as I hear their stories. I'm trying to think, I feel like um, I'm, I'm trying to pull off the top of my head a one that's really been moving to me recently. I might have to have you ask me another question and come back to that while I think. <laughs> I noticed on I noticed on your website, uh, which we can tell people where to go for that. Yes. But, um, I noticed you had a blog post about At Home in the World. Yes. Oh, yes. By Tish Oxenrider. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, which I, I have not read. So. Oh, you should read it. And then what was fun for me just recently, I was listening to Shauna Nyquist's podcast and, um, from season one. And um, I think her first guest was Tish Oxenreiter. And so hearing her voice and hearing her share about that. So, yes, um, thank you for that. Um, in fact, there's a quote that I copied out of um, Tish's book, At Home in the World, that's been on my desk for the last several months. And this kind of ties into the spiritually adrift chapter. She was talking about when they were traveling, um, they went to Thailand. Um, and spent several months there or a a chunk of time. And she was seeing a spiritual director and talking about, you know, when things are difficult, that doesn't always mean um, that God's saying, don't do this, that we lean into the hard times and that just because something's hard doesn't mean we don't do it or we're not in the right place. And that has been very meaningful to me because I think, you know, one of my struggles at different times has been, you know, where are we supposed to be and what are we supposed to be doing? And when I say we, I'm talking about my husband and I, and um, I just kind of put on pause that whole question of, you know, what am I called to do and what am I supposed to be doing? And just realize, okay, I'm here now. And this is where God wants me. And just even if, you know, as I, the ups and downs that may, um, you know, those will come, but that doesn't mean I need to leave or that this is uh, not the right place for me. Um, so that's, I'm not feeling like I'm articulating what I'm trying to say, but Tisha's book, um, definitely the beautiful imagery that she, um, she draws you into her writing with, you know, telling the stories of their adventures, but just um, very insightful, self-reflective. So the things that she's thinking about, what does it mean to be home? What does it mean to belong? Um, These are things that I think can definitely get people to think about, well, you know, what do I think about those issues and, and in connection then to with their own walk with God. Hmm. Your uh, love of reading and of literature in general comes across in your book as well, both in your writing, but also in just, again, how the book is put together. Um, You have have great quotes at the beginning of your chapters, too. Um, So I was going to mention that, I mean, you quote from C.S. Lewis in the the chapter when spiritually adrift from Mm -hmm. um, screw tape letters. Um, and, uh, but the one at the beginning of, I'm trying to find it here as I'm killing time uh, the one at the beginning of literature of the uh, literature chapter, yes. um, Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury, Ray Bradbury. I just yes. think that's great. So, I mean, p- people are going to pick up their Christian book and, <laughs> uh, and we're going to quote from Ray Bradbury at yes. the beginning of that. And then in paragraph two, you are immediately talking about Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. So, like you're, uh, like you, you're obviously reading all over. Yes. Um, and, uh, and seeing, you know, wow, like maybe this is why this, your perspective on, uh, on really being able to encounter God anywhere. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that sort of seems to be the message of the book is that yes. God, um, 
it, well, it's called Everywhere God. Uh, but it, but it's sort of this this broad scope of literatures throughout the book, not just in that chapter. So I I, I do encourage people to kind of take a look at that and see the mm. the broad um, view that you have in this mm. uh, kind of compilation of of chapters. But but they all have this 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 kind of thread running through them. They're all connected to one another as well, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so in one, you're bringing up uh, creation, but that's your first one. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll bring that up again in the spiritually adrift chapter mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and in that chapter as well you talk about the lord of the rings so that kind of got yes. me going because it's my favorite uh favorite yes time. Oh. um so i do really appreciate that uh i do have to compliment you as well and we mentioned this before hitting record is that in each chapter you have uh recommended reading mm-hmm. sections mm-hmm. and they're basically annotated, like phenomenal annotated bibliographies for more things that people can read connected to those topics. Yes. And uh, so I really appreciated that. Mm. Uh, and and like that, you don't see that in every book. You might see like a, a short recommendation or you have to go back into the notes section and find mm-hmm. well, where are they quoting from mm-hmm. and is this something mm-hmm. I would want to read? But you're really directive mm-hmm. and saying, these would likely be helpful for you if you're mm-hmm. looking to read more mm-hmm. around ritual or around mm-hmm. hospitality. This mm-hmm. is what I found helpful. Go and read that. Mm-hmm. So what prompted you to include that kind of thing? Like, where did that come from? That, that I don't see that very often. Well, thank you. Um, yes, I think because so often when I read, and especially if I really like what I'm reading, I want to know what is what else has that author got to say? Or what do they know? What other resources? And so... Um, some of my uh, favorite nonfiction writers at different times have referenced other books and I have found that to be so helpful. And so when the idea for this book came about, I just knew that that had to be part of this book Um, because I do think, um, you know, I don't have the final word on this topic and um, I wanted to be able to provide people with, Hey, if this is something that you're interested in thinking more about um, here are some other books that I've read or have heard have been helpful to folks. And, um, and I've just, been a very appreciative of the the readers that have commented specifically on that that they've said that's really helpful and um i'm always collecting books recommendations from people i have a notebook in my purse in my car by my bed you know wherever so i can always be writing down titles um and i just think yes that it's just a way to provide people with more material if they desire or they want to go a little deeper or a little bit further so that was that was the heart behind it Mm-hmm. I love that. And um, I like in the literature section as well that you conclude with the top 10 read alouds for families. Yes. <laughs> really good. Um, so you definitely didn't, you, you didn't dive into like, okay, every, uh, everyone make sure you're reading Dostoevsky and um, I mean, not, nothing against Dostoevsky. Great. Right, right. But, right. Um, but it was kind of neat that you went towards uh, recommendations for uh, for read alouds, which wouldn't necessarily just be for families. Some of the books you have there, out, right. just go and read them. Cause they're yes, good. yes, um, yes. Or get your friends together and read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Let's all sit around and read Harry Potter out loud together. Yes. <laughs> that probably does happen. Um, yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, there's also one uh, that I thought was kind of interesting. Is that in the hot, I guess that's in the hospitality section. Um, you included some menus. Yes. <laughs> um, so I thought that was just just a really interesting approach. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I really did appreciate that. 
can you let our readers know as well where they can find out more, um, particularly about the book, but also uh, I know you do have a website where you blog occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so where, where can people go for, for all of that? So they can find me at aliciabrumler.com. Um, so one word, aliciabrumler.com. And um, on my website um, is a link for Everywhere God. So the book can be found on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble. It can be purchased directly through Kalos Press, who's the publisher for the book. Um, or they can connect with me. I have my um, email address on there. And, and so they can, it's, they can easily get it any one of those, those ways. So I really appreciate you taking the time today to uh, talk with me and share with uh, the people listening today about uh, Everywhere God and yes. your own experience of God in your life. I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Alicia. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You can always go to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com and you can find all of the old episodes and all of the show notes for those episodes. Also, you can find the podcast on iTunes and I would love it if you could leave a review there. That means so much to me and it helps the podcast become more visible so that others can find these interviews. Thanks again for listening. Take care.